Welcome to the History Chicks. The following minicast is an accompaniment to episode 37, The Wizard of Oz. It covers three of the major stars of the 1939 MGM movie, The Wizard of Oz. Start with the biggie, Judy Garland. I will tell you, it is hard to be this compact with Judy Garland, but here we go. (laughs) Judy was born as Frances Ethel Gum in 1922 to two vaudevillians. Ethel and Frances. Her parents owned a theater in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Not exactly the place you'd expect a star to come from. But there was a huge scandal where Papa was accused of being forward with some male employees, and the family had to move. Uh, Papa found another theater for sale far, far away in Lancaster, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Judy and her two sisters, Susie and Jimmy, which is short for Virginia, were an act. They were the Gum Sisters. And Mama Gum, natural stage mother that she was... And here they are, so close to Hollywood, started the machine, you know. They were in an area where a lot of Mm -hmm. education for dance and singing and performing was available to them. So she put them in classes. And Baby Gum, as she was known, (laughs) that's just a lovely name, was in her first movie at seven. The Gum Sisters, soon to change to the Garland Sisters, which is much lovelier, uh, were in more movies and big vaudeville shows until Sister Susie broke up the act in 1935 by eloping with a musician. Shades of Gypsy Rose Lee. Yes, she did. But not long after that, Judy became a solo act, and at 13, she signed with MGM. But at 13, you know, she's not really a child actress, mm-hmm. although she's as small as a child at 4 foot 11. But she's not, you know, a glamorous leading lady. They kind of had a problem placing her, but at least they had her under contract so no one else could take her away. She had a girl-next-door image that they created for her, which worked great when they paired her with Andy Rooney. Who was also not a very tall person, but he was adorable at the time. He was like the Justin Bieber of the day. Yeah. And they did eight movies together. Andy Hardy movies as was their, was their shtick, the thing that they did. But they were just making her work so hard. She was on a tight movie making schedule. She was working a lot, but she was also growing. And she wasn't growing up as much as she was growing out. You know how kids during adolescence kind of plump up a little bit? Well, they called her fat at that point. And they put her on amphetamines to help not only give her enough energy to get through her schedule, but to try and bring her weight down. I mean, hello, she went to school. With Lana Turner, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Taylor, Ava Gardner. You thought the prom queen at your high school was intimidating. To be constantly criticized that way, no matter what she did, I think after that she never really felt that sure of herself. No, well, I mean, when Louis Mayer, the head of the theater, is calling you the little hunchback, and she has to wear caps on her teeth and rubber discs on her nose to change the shape of her... I mean, how do you ever have a good self-image if you have that during your formative years? It's not even possible. So she's on speed to get her through the day, and she's on sleeping pills to get her through the night, and she's not even 16 years old yet. Um, so at 16, she was cast in The Wizard of Oz. The first director had her in a blonde wig, which I'm sure looked great. We had said earlier that Shirley Temple almost got cast for this part. Mm-hmm. I still think, sorry, 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 no. I still think this was a spectacular bit of miscasting. I'm sorry. But they did have her in a flattening corset to hide her curves, tight and flat like a stomacher. 
from Marie Antoinette's time. Look at her abdomen. It never changes shape. It's stiff. They had her in the gingham because it kind of hit her curves a little bit. Mm -hmm. The kind of dresses that they were putting her in at the time were just baby doll dresses. And this is a teenage girl who's wise to life. And they're putting her in these puffy sleeves and pinafores. And I'm just like, why not just cast a child? I don't understand it. Well, you weren't alone. You're not alone in that. I mean... Well, that year, she won a juvenile award, which was like a baby Oscar. It was actually shorter. She later called it her Munchkin Award. (laughs) But she won it for both Wizard of Oz and Babes in Arms. Um, It's for like a year, like a good performance over the past year kind of thing. She never actually won another Oscar, interestingly, though she was nominated. By 19, she was married. Her first marriage at 19 to band leader David Rose lasted about three years. But during that time, she met... Vincent Minnelli, who was directing her in Meet Me in St. Louis. I love that movie. I will tell you, I think that's the only Judy Garland movie I like. Really? And I really love it. I just really do. I think it's so cute. She's saying, have yourself a merry little Christmas in that movie, and that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. We all think of it as, a, oh, it's just on the Christmas channel. It's on yeah, the series. Right. No, that, this is where it came yeah. from. Judy Garland was the first one. I love it. So right after that movie, though, right after Meet Me in St. Louis, she suffered a nervous breakdown several suicide attempts, and visits to sanatoriums, Shades of Clarabelle. Big time. And overwork. She was literally replaced during filming three separate times. Well, she was getting known as being unreliable with, I mean, the drug use that she was undergoing, which was forced upon her, and eventually she was dropped by MGM. So she is not even 30. She's had two divorces, one child, frequent sanitarium visits, It's a dark, dark few years. Um, At 29, though, she was the comeback kid a little bit. She was in a Oscar-nominated movie called A Star is Born. She had concert tours, TV specials, Vegas engagements. These are the years that we know her from recording artist years, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, Judy at Carnegie Hall went gold and won two Grammys. At this point, she goes on to her third marriage to producer Sid Luft. She has two more children, Lorna and Joey. So now she's the mom of three, living this chaotic, I mean, <laughs> um, Josephine Baker almost lifestyle. At 42, you're just whipping through this. She was on a serious downward spiral. She owed hundreds of thousands of dollars to the IRS. She was in poor health, um, having had an attack of pleurisy. She was diagnosed with hepatitis. She had Alcohol and substance issues and cirrhosis of the liver, uh, you know, she was falling apart. And again, shades of her past replaced in a major project, Valley of the Dolls. She was replaced by Susan Hayward. The only good thing about this time, I think, is that she got her star on the Walk of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's pretty much it. I know. She was going through a bitter custody battle in her divorce. What a dark life this woman was leading. There was a very troubled end game. Um, is, I guess, what I should say about that. She was found by husband number five, husband of three months, by the way, passed away from an accidental, the coroner stressed accidental, because of her history, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, overdose. You know, like what your body would get a tolerance to it. So it wasn't like she sat in there and thought, I'm going to take this whole bottle and end it all. It was more like she had passed the threshold at which her body could process the stuff. Uh, she was only 47. 47. That's just amazing to me. I would not. I mean, I knew she died early, but I didn't realize it was that. that well, early. you look back at film footage of her and she looked so much older. 
the hard life she lived, but she went through five marriages, had three children. She died on June 22nd, 1969 in London, and she's buried in New York. Most of us honestly know her mainly as Dorothy, I have mm-hmm. to say. Most of us, if we're not followers of her career, right. I would say that's the movie that she is um, known for. Her rendition of Over the Rainbow is the number one movie song of all time. There is a movie coming out later this year or last year, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> called Get Happy, The Life of Judy Garland, starring Anne Hathaway. Which is good casting. I really think... For the first time, I'm going to say Anne Hathaway has been cast properly. Except for the height issue. Otherwise, good. Hooray. Yep. That works for me. So there is a very encapsulated Judy Garland. We never thought we could pull that off. I know. That was good. Good job. And now we move on to Glinda the Good Witch, Billy Burke. Billy Burke was born August 7th, 1884 in Washington, D.C. 1884, it seems so long ago. Her name, her official name, Mary William Ethelbert Appleton Burke. She was the daughter of the famed circus clown Billy with a Y, Burke, um, and basically grew up on tour. Uh, unlike most papas of the day, hers didn't object when she began acting in plays at 18. No, the family had settled in London, and she made her stage debut there and then moved quickly onto Broadway by the age of 22, where she played the lead on a lot of shows. Ten years later, she's off to Hollywood to star in films, which she did, and also she kept acting in between on the stage until she met Florence Ziegfeld. Now, if that name sounds familiar, we just talked about him. And we talked about her, too, in the Josephine Baker podcast. So... There she is, sort of set for life, really. Money grew on trees. So she had one daughter, Patricia. Let's leave all that behind and live graciously. Until one day. In 1929, something really bad happened in our economy, and the market crashed, and the Ziegfelds lost everything. Along with so many other people. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, America was tossed into the Great Depression. Um, the showboat revival that that Ziegfeld had helped a little bit. Well, helped a lot. But she came off the bench. The world had kind of changed with talkies, and so she was filming her first one, which was called A Bill of Divorcement, when her husband suddenly died. And so now, this film career was for real. She had a small child to support. She did, and she got into a lot of roles. She was a comedy actress. She did musicals. She did dramas. Over the course of her lifetime, she did more than 80 Movies. She was a bit typecast, though, I have to say, as a flighty, dim-witted society type. She's either doomed or blessed by her voice, (laughs) which was just that voice. Hey, it put food on the table. That's true. Um, In fact, she was in Topper, which I love. The movies, not the TV show. She was in the movies. Um, It's about a man with two ghosts that only he can see, and she played his wife. You can't see any man. It's Cary Grant. Well... (laughs) And then in 1938, at the age of 54, she was cast to play Glinda in The Wizard of Oz. She's 54. Think about Judy Garland, which she looked like at 47. And now think of Glinda. I mean, what is, what's the answer? Is it genes? Is it upbringing? Is it good, clean-ish living? Working out? Love? Oh, could be. You know, I don't know, but whatever it is, she said Billy looked awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, there is a little bit of a connection here. Also, Ray Bolger, Mr. Scarecrow, got his start in the Ziegfeld Follies. It's like, oh, hello, you, again. And as a matter of fact, Billy Burke, after franchising the name for a couple of seasons, actually was a producer um, for many years after that and was a producer the year that Josephine Baker did so badly in the Follies, by the way. Uh-huh. So I'm not <laughs> sure she thought well of Josephine Baker, having mm-hmm. not earned her proper amounts of money. So Billy went on to do more movies. She did a radio show. She did a television show. She did plays. At one point, though, her memory was getting a little fuzzy, and she was getting older, and she said acting just wasn't fun anymore, but really it was time for her to retire. Her last movie was a John Ford Western, which is not the what we think of her as at all, called Sergeant Rutledge in 1960, and she died at the age of 85 on May 14th, 1970. That's a long, prolific career. It is. It's a long career with a lot of stage makeup, but I, what a, the quotes that she says just cracks me up. A woman past 40 should make up her mind to be young, not her face. Maybe that's the secret to maybe. how she looked so awesome in, as Glenda. And she maybe she didn't even think about it because she also said age is of no importance unless you're a cheese. <laughs> well, all right for her. I know. I loved her. And so that's Billy Burke, Glinda the Good Witch. <laughs> and now, on to my personal favorite, Margaret Hamilton, also known as the Wicked Witch of the West. Margaret Hamilton was born on December 9th, 1902 in Cleveland, Ohio. I think it's interesting. She's younger than Billy Burke was. Almost 20 years younger. That's a, that's a remarkable. Her birth name was Margaret Brainerd Hamilton, but they called her Maggie. She went to an all-girls school. She was the youngest of four children. Her parents insisted that she go to college, although she wanted to go to the stage. Yeah, her papa did not approve of the stage. I think it's funny that her very first role in anything was as an old man, which made him even madder. <laughs> um, well, it was an all-girls school. She didn't have a choice. Somebody had to be the man. Her first job was as a kindergarten teacher. She loved children. Ironically, after this movie, children were either deathly afraid of her or asked her why she was so mean to Dorothy. So that's sad. She was married for seven years. And had one son named Hamilton, who's still with us. But the parents divorced, leaving her as the sole breadwinner, again, just like Billy Burke. She got a call from her agent one day. They want you for Wizard of Oz. And she was like, that has been my favorite book since I was four. She's exactly the right age to have read that. Mm-hmm. Kind of oh, as it was coming out. As we discussed before, those books were very, very, very famous. And it would be like being called out of the blue to star in a Harry Potter movie. Yep. She was so excited. What part? What part? And he's like, um, the Wicked Witch of the West. Of course. <laughs> she was a little deflated, but still excited. <laughs> but she is a character actress. I mean, that was not... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else she thought she could possibly have played. And any interviews that I saw with her, she kind of laughed that off. But of course, that was it. She demanded $1,000 a week. And they said that she would have six weeks work. And you know, in today's money, that's $16,000 a week. So good negotiating. I think so. And she was actually, as a businesswoman, she didn't sign with a studio. because She wanted to keep her options open as a character actress so she could bounce between the studios, which was pretty smart. She said that the filming was, quote, not as jolly as you would think. She actually called it, you know, much later, when she was free of it, an imprisonment. She like many other of the cast members, were literally confined in their costumes. Her makeup was made from copper, and 
so poisonous, absolutely not to be ingested. So she was confined to a liquid diet for the entirety of filming, which when it's six weeks, you're like, ah, but when it's 23 weeks, holy moly. Um, as a matter of fact, the Tin Man was poisoned by his makeup. Um, the second one couldn't sit down the entirety of filming and had to lean against a board, all pitiful and sad, also drinking out of a straw. The poor old lion, he was supposed to be on a liquid diet, by the way, too. And he basically is like, you know what? Screw it. Redo my makeup. I'm eating lunch. <laughs> and so he got out of it, but no one else was that brave. He, though, had a 90-pound real lion skin to wear every day. So you remember that when they're watching the movie and you see the antics that the lion is doing, what he's hauling around, 90 pounds. Also, by the end of the day, it was soaking wet, so I can't imagine how many more pounds. And it reeked like the demons full of brimstone. It was bad, and there were two people employed to do nothing but dry that crap out every night. That's what their job was. They put it through ringers and had fans on it. I hope they got danger pay, because that is foul. (laughs) Back to Margaret Hamilton, though. There was a bad incident. There was. She had copper in her makeup, and... Not only, like you said, couldn't it be ingested, but it couldn't catch on fire. There's a special effects incident, and her costuming caught on fire, and her makeup started to burn her face. It had to be scrubbed off. She was hospitalized and recuperated for six weeks after that incident. She was replaced by a stunt double for a little bit, um, who coincidentally was also injured in a fire accident on the set. Yeah, you know when she goes away from Munchkinland in that red cloud of smoke? What you see is take number one, because frankly, there was no take two, because that's when it all erupted in Mm -hmm. chaos. That was funny. She, like, refused to do any more special effects work. In fact, when she reached for the shoes and there seems to be fire, it's actually just shooting apple juice and they sped up the film. (laughs) She's like, no more fire. Yeah. End of story. I'm playing with it. You know, his breaking point was the liquid diet. My breaking point is catching on fire and looking like a mummy when my son comes to visit me. (laughs) So... Fair enough. Sure. So she's only on the screen for 12 minutes. Can you believe that? And, and she's doing three roles. She's Elmira Gult. She's the Wicked Witch of the West. And she's briefly the Wicked Witch of the East during the tornado scene. And she coincidentally is the only other person that got to wear the red slippers in that Ooh, scene. Ooh, interesting. Hmm. Well, isn't she freaking scary, though? Little five-foot her. She's All these women are so tiny. Judy Garland, 4'11". Billy Burke, 5'3". Margaret Hamilton, five feet tall. Teeny tiny women. I remember being so mad at Miss Gulch when I was a little kid. I was so mad. I was so mad at her. But the Wicked Witch of the West is number four on the American Film Institute's 50 Greatest Villains. Can you imagine who the first three are? Any guesses? No. I am totally drawing a blank. She is behind Hannibal Lecter. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Norman Bates. Oh, yeah. And Darth Vader. (gasps) She's number four. Wow, that's an honor. Yeah. She often signed her autograph, Wicked Witch of the West, Mm -hmm. or sometimes just three W's, which is awesome. Yep. But honestly, she was kind of disturbed by how scared little kids were of her. Remember I said they used to run away or used to yell at her for being mad? Like, I probably would have yelled at her. For being mean. Yeah, you know, yeah. Almost 30 years later, she tried to fix this situation. She went on Mr. Rogers to explain that she's just an actress in a costume playing a role. And she's just really nice. She's really so don't be afraid. Yeah, she loved kids her whole life. She was on the Beverly Hills Board of Education from 1948 till 1951. She taught Sunday school. I do not know why all this makes me laugh. That dichotomy just makes I, me I laugh. I think I would have really liked her. 
She was on an episode of Sesame Street that aired when I was six. It only aired once. She crashed her broom on Sesame Street and couldn't leave until she mended her ways. But that episode, I guess, was deemed so disturbing to children that they, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, it has never once aired again. Wow. I know. But she had a big career after Oz. Yes. Not just playing witches. As a matter of fact, right after Oz, she went off to play a leading role in Babes in Arms with Judy Garland. And she made 77 more movies. 77. She's on an episode of The Addams Family. She's Morticia Addams' mother. I know. Isn't that awesome? Oh, it is. She was on As the World Turns. She was on a soap opera. The career span of this woman and the mediums that she was able to act in is just pretty amazing. You know when she made most of her money, though? A commercial. The Maxwell House commercial. She played the general store manager. You know, like, Flo is now for Progressive. The icon, you see Flo, you mm-hmm. know what company that right. is. Or that duck. Blah. She was the Flo of that era. You see her, you know, it's a Maxwell House commercial. That's right. Kind of, But that's where all her money came from. That's the money spinner right there. Margaret Hamilton died at the age of 82 in 1985 following a heart attack. She died in her sleep. She was cremated and her ashes are scattered in upstate New York, which is probably why we couldn't find a grave for her. (laughs) Well, uh, I definitely think despite all her roles, she's an icon. This is another person we remember mostly for her role in The Wizard of Oz. And someone I would like a lot. That's the minicast for today. Thanks for listening. Bye. Remember, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at The History Chicks with an X. If you liked what you heard today, leave a review for us on iTunes or tell a few friends. Our music is provided by Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. Red and yellow and pink and green, purple and orange and blue. I can sing a Rain.